I'm Tanisha Foster, one half of the Soulful Dish team. Your one-stop shop for all things health and wellness. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome everyone to the Soulful Dish. I have here with me from Chester, Virginia, Miss Kenya Glory Bell. Now, Miss Bell is a renowned author. She's a devoted wife as well as a fabulous mother to three beautiful children. And when Kenya's not busy as a wife or a mother, she is also an advocate for autism. Thank you so much for joining us, Kenya. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you. You're so welcome. So before we get started, Kenya, can you just lay it out for the people and explain exactly what autism is? Okay, autism is a neurological condition where people experience the world differently. They experience sight, sound, gravity, touch, um, communication language, all very differently from their neurotypical peers. Say, uh, For instance, the way that you and I see light, we would see just the white light but an autistic person may see the whole rainbow. You may not be bothered by the sound of fluorescent lights, but an autistic person will find that bothersome because they hear like the snap, crackle, and pop of the lights. They hear the hum of the refrigerator, things that you are able to just naturally filter out. Autistic people may not always be able to filter those things out. And they also have difficulties with communication because they have to deal with so many other sensory issues, it's hard for them to get their words out. So uh, when you're talking to an autistic person, you need to be patient with them and give them a chance to process, not just your words, because they're hearing more than your words. You need to, they're also hearing the lights. They're also um, in, in hearing different nuances and in, 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 uh, the sounds all around you. So they're filtering those out. They're filtering out the light. They're experiencing gravity different. So um, the, the most minute things can bother them. So when you're talking and, and enjoying an uh, association with an autistic person, just be aware that you are have to be patient and let them get their words out and process everything else that's going around them, not just uh... Hello? Okay, you're with us. You went out for one second over there, Kenya, but we heard you say that just to give those who have ASD the opportunity to be able to process what they're receiving as stimulus from their five senses. And I just think it's so remarkable, so interesting to hear you explain it to us in this way, because I, you know, I've always heard of autism as being described as a challenge with social skills, um, the challenges with being able to communicate, but I don't think I've ever heard it explained quite the way you do that. This is a challenge of, all five senses, the way you and I respond and relate to Earth through our five senses, those with autism experience it in a completely different way. And so with that being said, yeah. then they need to be approached mm-hmm. differently. 
they don't hear and see and feel things even in the way that we do. The, or those who typically don't, I mean, those who don't have that diagnosis. So I think it's, you know, you did a phenomenal job of just helping us to understand exactly how this impacts on a much deeper level than challenging a social skill or a communication skill. Yeah, because uh, I think people like to uh, just, uh, I think what some of the so-called experts like to do, they want to make it easier for the public to understand that and then saying it's social skills. But I think once people understand that the social skills are impacted, why are, why is it the social skills? The social skills are because they have a harder time processing their environment than than we do. Now, that doesn't say all autistic people do that. Just the autism spectrum is very wide ranging. You have some some people who have severe challenges and you have some people who hardly have any challenges and they're able to navigate their day very easily. So, um my son is in the middle of that okay. spectrum. He uh, is able to process his world very uh, easily. He understands uh, a lot of what's going on, but at the same time, he does need to stem, which is self-stimulatory behavior. And he also needs to have some downtime. And uh, he also used to have very sensitive hearing. So we had to do a therapy. Okay. So when you meet an autistic person, you've just met that one autistic person. There are many, many um, very successful people who are on the spectrum. They don't out themselves because of the, uh, a lot of stigma attached to it. But there are a lot of people, more than you realize, who are on the spectrum because it's such a wide spectrum. So for purposes of clarification, it sounds like you're saying the spectrums involved just is based on which senses are challenged. Some individuals could have maybe one type of a sense challenge and then others on the other end of the spectrum would have all senses that are challenged correct mm -hmm. i would say i would say all senses are challenged but it's just a difference of severity. gotcha right so right so that all of their sense and so you might be able to like in any given day if you're having a particularly bad day and your kids are banging away on dishes, that might be on Tuesday, that might irritate you. And on Friday, you'll be like, oh, well, whatever. Just <laughs> Gotcha. So it just depends on, right. It just depends on their day, you know, how they're, how they're feeling at any given time. And some people, all senses are challenged, but it might not be at that same level. You're, your vision may be a five today and then tomorrow it'd be zero. Oh, wow. Or your hearing may be, right, your hearing may be uh, a 10 today, but tomorrow it's a two. So not everybody um, is not always, that's why it's so varied. That's why it's so challenging. It's not everything all the time. And sometimes it's, it's, it's uh, the full gamut. So Oh, wow. So it's just, yeah, so you have to, and self-regulatory behavior is, um, and that's why when you see some autistic people, they flap, they stem, they're doing, that's them trying to regulate.
themselves or they they could be stemming just because they're they're happy gotcha because i asked my son i was like why why are you because we don't call it stemming with him um because he doesn't even we don't even tell him anything about him being autistic because he's still little but i i was like why are you doing that little thing and he said because it makes me happy and he just do, does his his stem or whatever because he's happy but some people need to do that stem you know how you see people and they're neurotypical people but they they're always down right their they're always fidgeting that's we call it nervous habits autistic. yeah right and so autistic people have different stems so they do those things too but they're more pronounced understandable so i heard you say that your son has autism um what were the characteristics that stood out to you before you thought to take him for testing mm -hmm. okay so my um when he was an infant he was very engaging and loving and everything so we did not think he was autistic so um, but the thing that he was in therapy for was that he never crawled or he ne uh, he would commando crawl, what they call commando okay. crawl. And he never would walk. So um, he um, so he was um, that's my other son in the background. Let me close. No up. worries. <laughs> Working mom. We know how that is. Okay. Um so uh, we took him for therapy for, for walking. And so he was in therapy for uh, a year and a half for walking. He started walking. And about the time he turned three, he stopped talking. Because he would talk, he would babble and talk when he was a baby. So when he stopped talking, they were like, oh, he just he just did that because he started to he started to walk and he was working really hard on walking. And it was maybe six months into that, that we started seeing other issues with him, which leads into um, some digestive issues with him. And so he, and then it just, things just started to snowball. And we were like, what in the world is out going right. with him? And so, I looked on YouTube and I said, baby doesn't crawl by three and some other stuff I typed in, digestive issues, a lot of different things. And they said uh, autism. Oh, wow. And by that time, and I, and I saw so many videos with my sister, who is a doctor now, about uh, babies who didn't crawl by the time they were three. And oh, oh, and spinning baby because he was spin in circles uh, as he commanded the crawl, and it came up that he was that's what popped up on YouTube. So we went to Mitchell's place in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. We went to Mitchell's place and they gave him a formal diagnosis that he was autistic. Oh, but by that time, we had already kind of suspected because I saw it on YouTube. Wow, wow. so you thought to, to just dig into it and do a little bit of your own research. And then you follow up with your suspicions with a, a doctor. You know, I think about so many. In yeah, because so many, we had went to, we had went to maybe 12 doctors and none of them said it was autism. 
But when we pulled his his uh, medical records, we saw that they were deferring to what I was saying, that I didn't think he was autistic. And the reason I didn't think he was autistic was because he wasn't standoffish. He loved people. And what do you always hear about autistic they people? Are, is that they don't like to be around people. Natural case, definitely. So, so that that's why you know that you can't just go with what the public says about something. Because I thought, oh, he would if he would shy away from people if he was autistic. That is not true. That's true. And you just mentioned that this spectrum is has such a broad range. You can't just classify everybody into the same category. Right. So he loves people. He loves, he got so many friends. He's, he's outgoing. He's, he wants to participate in everything in school. And uh, he is not, that is not the stereotype that they talk right. about. So he's a typical, he's a typical yeah. kid for his age. He has his interests, interests similar to the way, you know, all other children and their interests. So what are some of his interests? Yes. Since we're on that topic, what are some of his well, interests? He, his interests are, um, well, he loves uh, video games. He loves playing with his friends, uh, talking to his friends from Alabama on the phone. He just, he just does every, everything, but he does it um, that a normal uh, 11, 12-year-old would do, but he just does it a little different. So he loves okay. playing with his family. He just... He's just awesome. He's foster foster organic relationships is what it sounds like. And I like how you say that he's just like any other typical boy his age. But I do, I have a question about how, how is your son's communication skills now that he's had therapy on his hearing and things that he's been challenged with? Mm -hmm. Have those challenges been changed any? Do you feel that way? Um, since you are well, structured we feel, with therapy. Um, okay, so yeah, so he went um, maybe two years without speaking. So he is he has uh, language delays, and the way he um, communicates is challenged because he's not he doesn't speak like a um, a, a twelve year old. Um, because of the language, the language and speech delay that he had, but he enunci- he speaks and he enunciates his words correctly. The thing is, is that he has like because he has uh, some distractions because he is his mind is going, um, you know, a hundred miles a minute or whatever, or he's processing things different. It he has to be guided back to the subject. And but the more he's around you, the more comfortable he's he is, the less nervous he is, and he's all that's just just part of who he is, and his friends get that. So he doesn't have like he isn't treated differently because of it. Because I've seen kids talk to him, and they have been so patient, and they've been so kind, and I think that that's great. Uh, we have to teach. Yeah, he has to learn some stuff and then his friends also have to learn to be patient and let him get his words out and let him get uh, be patient with him as he navigates the conversation. Being supportive and sensitive to 
especially to children, well, to all people, but especially with children who have ASD, I think it's so important. What, what do you want people to know about being supportive and being sensitive? And the reason why I'm asking is because I'm, I work in a school, I work with all type of children, and I've had experience with working with some children who have intellectual disabilities and also who have um, some, some social challenges. And they can typically be written off or ostracized as being behavioral um, disruptive and just not considering, it's easy to not consider their, their everyday daily challenges. How do you want, what do you want people to know about the importance of, the, of being sensitive and being supportive? Um. The the main thing is to be patient and to and to and show kindness. Um, I think uh, what you have to and you cannot expect uh, a child who is um, autistic to be like a neurotypical child. They are not going to sit still. They are not going to be what you you got to reshape your brain about what is disruptive, because if they are acting out is a reason why because there's something that triggered that um that response from them and i think um having used to being a teacher i think the thing is i i have asked the schools to have a quiet place for my Mm -hmm. kids so that they can decompress if they need to and i think giving them the space and time to not to get away with their um, difficult behavior because I got a child that does not have a behavior issue and then I have another child that does have behavior challenges but uh, I think I think with my my child who has had behavior challenges I tell them to let him have his quiet time and then come back and then he has to experience his his uh, whatever, you know, if he had to miss recess or whatever because of his behavior. But, you know, it is up to adults to make sure that the environment feels welcoming and safe for the child. And you cannot expect a neurotypical, a non-neurotypical child to act like a typical child. Exactly. They're going to fidget, they're going to stem, they're going to babble. They're going to do the things that help them cope without the day, throughout the day. And as long as they're not being violent to themselves and to others, then you really, they really need to have that space. And they, and they really need to be accepted in that space. And other children need to see that they're being accepted because, if, because as um, educators, if the educator is like, okay, he needs his space to do his thing. Exactly. Children, will be children mimic that. behaviors of adults all the time. And see, the, the issue to me, the real issue is not those who have the ASD. It's those who don't have it. Because we want to box these babies in. These creative, I think they're, I say they're creative. We want to box them in and make our reality, their reality. When in fact, right. it sounds like we need to be understanding their reality so that we can meet them where they are. That's the real issue, not those with the that is, that is ex- That is exactly what my advocacy is about, about uh, acceptance and um, 
because people are aware of autism now and autistic individuals now. Now we need to move on to acceptance, right. which is so important now because this is Autism Awareness uh, Day, month, um, April is. And so that is what we try to push for, that, that kind of diversity and inclusion. In the That's country. right. And the thing is, is if it's challenging for us, we can only imagine just how difficult and challenging it is for them. You know, we, we just need to be yes. sensitive, like mm-hmm. you said. We need to be supportive and not go into it trying to change these people. Accept who they are, accept our babies, accept mm-hmm. those who have these challenges, accept them and embrace them where they are. If you go in, you're trying to fix something that's not even broken. They're not broken. <laughs> so don't go in trying to fix them. They are who they are, just exactly. like we are who we are. Yes, and that's what we say in the autistic community. Uh, different, but not. That's broken. right. They are, and I love that. And I love that you said that they are not broken because I love. And the more that we remove the stigma of people being broken, um, then the more we can. Because uh, for so many years, they people hid away autistic people and people who had special needs, and you didn't see them. And they were institutionalized and stuff. But now that that um, in the last um, 20 years, since they've done away with those things, you are seeing more autistic people in society. And that has been a good, that has been a net good for uh, the world at large. Because now you see that it's very common. Uh, being autistic is way more common than what people think. They used to say one in 58 or 68. Yeah. Really, by the time a child enter, enters um, um, kindergarten, I think the numbers are down to like one in 20 mm-hmm. because they're with boys. So, you know, it's a lot of kids on the spectrum that people who are being treated like their behavior problems and they're getting in trouble, but it's really that they're... Exactly. Exactly. I had a a student who will always give us a difficult time in the classroom, and we later found out that he was diagnosed with Asperger's. And so, me understanding that he had those challenges, it made it easier for me to approach things differently with that student. Well, I do want to... What some people don't understand, too, Kenya, is that diet plays a a huge part in the day-to-day functions mm-hmm. of an individual with autism. Can you share the importance of your son's diet with his diagnosis? Yeah, okay, cuz uh and I would also say also this is a this is a spectrum too cuz you have some autistic people who are not affected by their diet, but that was not our case. Our son is very affected okay. by his diet. Um he um so we he also has food allergies he's allergic to peanuts eggs he's very sensitive to gluten and dairy and um a few years ago he was very um very thin almost anorexic and we put him on a specific carbohydrate diet which is a diet that consists of meat vegetables and fruit and removed a large percentage of gluten out of and grains out of his diet and he thrived and so 
um, he, uh, he started to sleep better. He started to focus better. He stopped getting sick every uh, couple of months with uh, strep or whatever. He was ear infections or whatever he was getting. And he just now he went from a puny, maybe under 70 pound kid, 60 pound kid to like now he's 100 pounds and he's five, five, five now and he's 12. Oh, wow. A few years of uh, changing his diet. Yeah, he's taller than me. I'm five two. So you see him towering over you like you a midget over there. <laughs> yeah, he hugs me and his voice is deepening and he's hugging me. <laughs> you know, he's like so big now. And I have to look up to my own kid. It's like scary. Wow. He's a gentle giant. I love it. Yes, he is really tall and it's like really odd now because he was so little and sick for a long time. But we changed his diet and got him on a really great diet, and he uh, started to thrive. And I often tell people, if look at the kid's diet, if they are breaking, their skin is breaking out, they are having a lot of digestive issues and stuff, look at their diet, take the hard road, take three weeks out in the summer, clean their diet up, and get them on some healthy and um, non-processed uh, gluten-free uh, food or whatever that they need to get them uh, straight. Yeah. We did it. A diet it changes thriving. so much. A poor diet can be the underlying issue for so many different mm-hmm. ailments. And we thought we were doing the right thing because it wasn't that he was eating um, uh, bad food. We, we He was eating okay. whole grains. We were eating organic. Uh, we were eating organic, but we had to remove uh, a lot of the gluten and dairy out of his diet to get him, because he was sensitive right. to those things. He wasn't allergic to those things, but he had very, very clear food sensitivities, and he had a lot of gut issues around gluten. So wow. uh, we wanted to strengthen him up to get him get him clear of those things. Kia, I think that you are amazing. I think that you're an amazing mom. I think that you are doing amazing work in the autism community. And you are definitely one to look up to. Um, Do you have any last-minute advice that you could give to other parents about raising a child who does have autism or Asperger's or any other social diagnosis? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I would say is just love them unconditionally. We have to uh, get around some of the grief of what uh, autism is, and uh, especially when you see your kids struggle. And I think if you just can get past that, uh, whether it's going to therapy or whatever. Can you? You went out. Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, uh, I, oh, I was saying, my brother calls <laughs> Trey. Uh, I'm sorry. My my advice to parents would be just to love your kid and to um, get past the get past the grief of of what autism is and the challenges that they fa- that they face, and just love them unconditionally, and they will thrive. That is. Awesome. Can you can you tell us where we can find some support out there for those individuals who need a little bit of support? Mm-hmm. Navigate through 
not just parents, but those who want to support families. Where can we find some support out there? You can go to culturecity.com. They have great autism uh, advocacy programs. Uh, you can go to the uh, thisisall.com, culturecity.com. You can go to spectrummagazine.com. It's a free online magazine. You can go to um, the Thinking Person's Guide to Autism, which is a self-advocacy site for autistics. Um, there's another uh, great advice for um, for how to cope with uh, being autistic. Uh, NeurodivergentRebel.com is uh, a great resource. And you can also follow me on uh, uh, on facebook at kenya gory bell and um i'm thinking about advocacy page for parents so but um those are some of the sites awesome fantastic well we thank you again so much kenya for coming and speaking to our listeners and being a supportive um advocator for just autism and, and all of these issues that that needs awareness and support so thank you again for your time. Thank you for having me. That's all we have for now. You can follow us on all our social media handles. That's right. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also read the latest news in health and wellness all on our blog at thesoulfuldish.wordpress.com. And you can catch me on all things social under the Chop Friendly handle for all of your allergy education courses and products and resources. You can also follow my girl Felicia for all of your vegan and allergy treats at Eat the Batter Eatery on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs>